Our scripture passage comes from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Hear God's holy and infallible word. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we come to God's word today, we need his help, so let us pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our path. Lord, we need you to guide the way. We need your spirit to illuminate our hearts, to make your word living and active. Help us now to have ears to hear what the spirit says. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our sermon series in the Gospel of John. Last week we talked about an introduction to who Jesus was. It was titled, Who Am I? And the second question we answered is, What are you doing here? What am I doing here? Who am I? What am I doing here? That's how we introduce ourselves. And now we're being introduced more fully to another man named John. And so the idea of introduction will continue. But before we get into the text, I wanted to point out some of the context in which it's going to help us understand why we need to hear this. Why the confession of John, this testimony of what he says about himself and what he says about Jesus, is necessary for us today in our 21st century American church. Uh, I don't know what shows you all like to watch, but there's a phenomenon in our country over the last 10 years or so of these uh, talent shows, right? American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, even a business aspect of The Apprentice, where seemingly ordinary people are able to uh, show up in a line and try out and all of a sudden ascend to the national stage, right? These unassuming unexpected stars and for some reason that draws us in and we all are interested to see 
You know, sometimes there's some antics, but oftentimes I think what really draws us in as a culture is that we see ourselves in these contestants. We think of ourselves as having the same potential they do. We love the idea of being taken from obscurity and into fame. We think if given the right circumstances, we can all ascend to the highest realms of society. They only knew how great we were. We all want to be important. We all want to be successful. We all want to be the center of attention. That's why these shows are such an appeal to us, because we can see ourselves as, wow, it would be so great to show up and do something like that. It's captivating to an assumption about our culture and the way we view ourselves. John's confession here couldn't be any different from that mindset. John here is one who is gathering a lot of attention to himself, although he is being somewhat obscure, hiding out in the wilderness, baptizing people, and yet he comes with all of these questions. These people need to know, who are you? And he has an opportunity to grab for himself glory, to grab for himself fame, to grab for himself significance, and yet, he does not. In fact, he confesses that his entire reason for coming is for the sake of somebody else. He doesn't want to be the center of attention. He doesn't want to be successful. He doesn't want to be important. His whole life and ministry is one of preparation for somebody else to step into the light, to be revealed, to be seen for who he is. Our message today is going to be structured along the same lines as last week. Uh, instead of uh, who am I and what, do you, what am I doing here, this is really starts with this question John is presented with right away. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And lastly, we want to answer who is Jesus? So let's just begin with verse 19. And this is the testimony of John when Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Just a little bit of information. I talked last week about how we maybe need to put on first century Jewish ears to really understand some of what's happening here. So the Jews, that would be the religious leaders, those in charge, we're told later they're Pharisees. So people that are in the midst of Israel who have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in society and want to know what's going on. And they send priests and Levites to ask John what's going on. It's significant that they are priests and Levites because what John is doing is a priestly function. We'll get to that in a little bit. But when somebody is baptizing people, well, he, John is acting as a priest. So they send priests and Levites Hey, why is this guy acting like you? Go find out who he is. So who are you? And, and John's immediate response is, I'm not the Christ. Now, assumed in that response is that they were expecting him to be the Christ, right? There's this, why would John just respond, hey, who are you? I'm not the Christ, right? It's like, it's like you know there's a madman on the loose and the police are like, hey, who are you? Well, I'm not the guy that did that. 
Right? There's like this, uh, this anticipation that they're looking for somebody, and John knows they're misunderstanding who he is, and he wants to make sure he sets the record straight. And so there's this anticipation at this time in Israel where they are waiting for this promised Christ to come. Who is this Christ? Well, Christ simply means anointed, the anointed one. It's this anticipated king who was going to come and to usher in the kingdom of God through the people of Israel to overcome this Roman oppression as the people languish under it, that he was going to restore the people of God. They were waiting for the Christ. He was the, the, the one who was going to come and make all things right for the people of Israel. And we know through other passages in Scripture, there were other people claiming to be Christ, claiming to be the Messiah. And, of course, they all died out, and there was no continued ministry through those false Christs. And so when John shows up, they think, maybe this is another one of those guys claiming to be the Christ. So who are you, John? I'm not the Christ. I am not the Christ. Okay. Well, we still need to know who you are. Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Why would they ask if he's Elijah? Well, there's this promise that Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, is going to come back. It's one of the last things written in the Old Testament before the word of God goes silent for 400 years. Malachi chapter 4 talks about Elijah coming to restore the hearts of children to their fathers. If you know the story of Elijah, he actually never dies. In 2 Kings chapter 2, he's just taken up in a whirlwind. And so there was this anticipation that this Elijah figure would come back at the same time as the Christ to usher in this new age, this new covenant, this restoration of the people of God. It's also significant to note that John the Baptist is dressed a lot like Elijah. If you look at the description of Elijah in 2 Kings, he's a man wearing hair with a belt around his waist. And when they see him, they say, oh, it's Elijah the Tishbite. And so when we read the description of John the Baptist and the other Gospels, well, he's wearing camel's hair and a belt around his waist. And you kind of think, he's sure playing the part of Elijah. And so it's important that, you know, it makes sense. Well, then are you Elijah? And he says, I'm not. He says, well, you're the prophet. What's the prophet? Well, back in the time of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18, there was a promise that God would raise up a prophet from among the people of Israel like Moses. No, I'm not the prophet. They're trying to figure out, who are you, John? I'm not the Christ. And I said, well, tell us who you are. And he says this. I'm the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 talks about this herald. The one in the wilderness, he's going to raise up the low parts and smash down the high parts and make this perfect road for the Lord to come. The road construction will be done in Fargo-Moorhead so the Lord can come in with no cones in his way. Only in the new heavens and the new earth. All right, this is the, 
the embodiment of this promise that somebody is going to come and prepare the hearts of the people to receive the promised one who is to come. John's work is one of preparation. He's making straight the path. He's telling people what's to come. He's drawing their hearts to trust in the Lord and to look in anticipation for his deliverance. This is who John is. Second question, what are you doing here? They asked him, why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? What, what gives you any right to be doing this baptism thing over here in the Jordan? Now, I mentioned earlier that the priests are the ones who come. The Levites, those who are in charge of the worship and teaching of God's people, are coming to find out who this John figure is because he is acting like a priest. When we see the word baptize, we ought to think with our first century Jewish ears, ceremonial cleansing, washing. This is fleshed out a little bit for us in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 9 and Mark chapter 7. But the paradigm at the time of the people of Israel was that you were either ceremonially clean or unclean. And so as you came into the temple for worship, uh, there were things about the way you lived your life. You would have to be ceremonially clean. And they were very concerned about how clean everything was, the dishes and the everything. And there was these big vats of water where you would wash yourselves. All of the sacrifices would be washed. There was lots of washings in the Old Testament Levitical system. And perhaps more pointedly to what John is doing, if you were to be a Gentile, pagan, non-believing person at the time when John lived and you wanted to become a Jew and live among the people of God and worship in the temple, you would have to have all of the men in your household circumcised and then your entire household baptized. It's a declaration that you were unclean and now you're being clean to come into worship. And so John's message of baptism is calling people to cleanse their hearts, calling people to be washed, to be prepared for the worship of the one who's to come. And so John is filling this role as this priest, baptizing people. And he says, I baptized with water, but among you stands one who you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John was baptizing. And who is Jesus? John came, he confesses who he is, he is doing this baptism as a preparation for the work of the Lord, and this is what we hear from his mouth about who Jesus is. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, when you see behold, that's like he got a megaphone out, you know, like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said to him, he said, 
And this is of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. It tells us that he saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remain on Jesus. And the one who sent John told him this is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John's ministry is coming to completion. The preparation work that John has been doing has led to this point, and now Jesus is being revealed. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not just the sacrifice for the week or the month or whatever season and festival we're in, but the Lamb of God who takes away all sin is able to efficaciously remove it from us, not temporarily, but fully. The one who comes before John, remember last week, in the beginning was the Word. And he is far greater sacrifice than the sacrifices before him. And he is far greater than this man, John. And his baptism is far greater than this baptism with water. Right? John standing here is like, hey, I baptize with water, but it's really not that big a deal. Because what really matters is there's this guy coming who's going to baptize with the Spirit of God. And so when we think of the Christ who's to come, the anointed one, the one on whom which the Spirit remains... His cleansing, His washing, His work in our lives is so far greater than any washing could ever be. His sacrifice is so greater than any of the sacrifices that had come before. John is ushering in the new age, the new covenant. He has prepared the way for the Christ to come. As I've thought about these three questions, I think they're pertinent questions for us to consider in our own lives. These questions that were kind of posed to John the Baptist. Who are you? Why are you doing what you're doing? And who do you confess Jesus to be? Who are you? Given the opportunity to exalt ourselves, our prideful, sinful hearts, no doubt, will choose to receive the glory, maybe with some false humility. We want praise and honor, attention, maybe in our own way. Who are you? We must be like John the Baptist who confesses and does not deny, but confesses, I am not the Christ. You and I are not the Christ of our lives. We are unable to deal with our sin. We are unable to force ourselves into situations for our good and glory. We are unable to wash ourselves. We are unable to bring about the change that the Christ can bring in our lives. We are not the Christs of our marriages. Only the Lord can work in the midst of our relationships. We are not the Savior, the Christ of our families. We are not the Christs of this church or the church in Fargo. We are not the Christ of our city. I am not the Christ. 
We must have the posture that John has, not trying to step into the limelight of Christ and his role. Another way that we might pervert this idea of the Christ is to look at other things as the Christ. Our favorite Bible commentary is not the Christ. Our education is not the Christ. It does not have the power of the Holy Spirit. Our favorite worship song is not the Christ. Our good deeds are not the Christ. Your pastor is not the Christ. Your theology is not the Christ. Your counselor is not the Christ. Your political figures are not the Christ. And your favorite podcasts are not the Christ. And the reason it's important for us to remember we are not the Christ and these things are not the Christ because if we view them as the Christ, we have no need for the true Christ. If we can change ourselves, if we view our sin as not that big of a deal, if we view transformation to come through education or trying harder or whatever the thing is that we are trusting in, then we don't need a Christ We don't need the anointed one to give us his spirit. And so we must confess with John, I am not the Christ. Second question is, what are you doing? John prepared the way for Christ to act. Now, I'm not suggesting we all go out to the Red River and start baptizing people, preparing for Christ to come again. But he acted in a way that created the space for God to work, for Christ to be revealed, for Christ to be exalted, and in a way that he would be forgotten. When we lead people in a Bible study, in our homes, in our work, we ought to be doing it in a way that is creating opportunity for the Lord to be at work not exalting ourselves, not seeking to put ourselves into the light but a way of preparation, to acknowledge what the Lord is doing, to know that he is at work, to have a proper place as we act in our world. Perhaps most importantly is the last question, who is Jesus? It's related to the first Who is Jesus? We confess our faith together each week with really long-winded explanations about how Jesus came about and what he did when he came here and where he is now and our anticipation of his return. It's so important that we understand who Jesus is and the role that he plays. He is the Christ. He is the one who can take away the sin. He is the one who is before us, who is exalted to the highest place, who gives the Holy Spirit, who takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He is the one who is able to do things that we cannot do for ourselves. May we look to the true Christ. He is our only hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. We thank you for the testimony of John. Help it to 
transform our lives, to change our hearts, to confess that we are not the Christ, to trust in the promised one, the one who came, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. It's in his name we pray. Amen.